Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right. All right. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? I am well. I'm well. What about y'all? What's been going on in y'all's world? I know not too much can be going on (laughs) in your world, but for what it's worth, um, anything pop up? Y'all been doing anything? Keeping yourself busy, I'll say. Yes, work. (laughs) Work. Work. Work has been working. Yeah. I've I've been trying to work out, so to speak, walking with the family, but then I come home and eat chips and cookies and ice cream so uh, uh, I don't know it's a balance but I did walk about two and a half miles today right. on the trail so that was good walk with the family yeah so it was nice 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 how do you feel afterwards I feel good like I enjoy I mean, I've always enjoyed being outside I always like to say I'm an outsidesy girl but I'm not an outdoorsy girl so I don't want to go I ain't trying to go fishing or hunting or none of that, but I love being outside, you know, taking in the sun, you know, maybe just going for a stroll, walking, sitting outside a coffee shop, you know, being outdoors, but not outdoorsy. You know what I mean? I like that description. I, I'm the same way. I just could never put it into words. Mm-hmm. Like, I like being outside. I love being near water, mm-hmm. but I'm not about to go camping. No. I'm not trying to like go hiking too far outside of, you know, just a little walk. Right. Um, but I do love being out. Like I like nature. I enjoy nature, but I don't like all of nature's elements. Right. Exactly. Like heat and bugs. Yeah, exactly. And spider webs and, and right. things that crawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're an outsidesy girl also. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not outdoorsy. Yes. Outsidesy. <laughs> nice. Outsidesy. I like that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you got a new word. Right. Right. Oh, what have you been up to, Shari? Not too much. Like, I've just been in the house all week. I left to go grocery shopping this morning. I tried to get there before everybody Um, but apparently because churches are closed, um, everybody else had the same idea as me. And so when I pulled up to Trader Joe's, there was already a line outside. I kept going because I was not about to stand in that line. Um, went to the the different grocery store, but I felt accomplished. I came home, cleaned my car out. Um, yeah, I know. I haven't cleaned my car out in forever. Um, so (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had like the wipes and everything. A, a little of it was my paranoia being out bringing groceries into my car. So I like, you know, wanted to wipe it down. But I also did like the conditioning wipes to condition okay. the little seats and yeah. all that stuff. You taking like, a point? Right, okay. Right. <laughs> you know what? That could be my side hustle. That could be my I side hustle. Buy a, girl, we could do a business because I brought a bucket. And um, some car wash yeah. stuff from Home Depot last week, a little cloth. 
Ask me, have I washed my car yet? It was a whole week ago. I still <laughs> But you have a plan, Girl, though. You no, have, I no. have the materials. Yeah. Well, you notice I said I cleaned the <laughs> inside of my car. The outside <laughs> was cleaned by my dealership when I took it over there to them the other day. So it kind of inspired me. The outside First was all, clean, inside dirty hmm. with me. Because they're supposed to vacuum you out. Is this a whole new corona thing named vacuuming the inside now? What? Well, they vacuumed the floors, but like the console and stuff was still there. They ain't yeah. vacuumed like they were supposed to. But, you, need to you need to write them because that, that's not how it's supposed to go. They're supposed to actually clean you up. Don't let me take my car over there, cause I'm be like, so y'all gonna make sure y'all wipe this down right? And this 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 whole car payment I be paying, this whole package that I bought, the whole y'all. Car okay, payment. I'm gonna need to be able to okay. see myself in the console, not just the mirror. <laughs> they did a good job on the outside. Like I was like, oh wow, okay. this looks like a brand new car. Um, they did a good job on the outside, but that inside, I just needed to tidy it up a little bit, you know. So. That was good. I felt productive right. in that way. I haven't done anything else though. My, I feel like my house is sick of me. My house is like, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like you're not gonna leave. Me. The couch is like, girl, can I get a minute? <laughs> couch is like, man. Right? So when I was a kid, I used to like picture house items coming to life when we would leave. And so the the child part yes. of my oh, like brain, Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yes. So the child part of my brain has been like, I know our like house. We're like, dang, we can't even kick it. Like they, don't <laughs> we can't even kick it. That is hilarious. We can't even like he turned up. They always here. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so true. Okay. So true. Man, I was yeah. That's true. I was thinking about that earlier. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the stuff is probably like, dang, the living room furniture can't go visit the bedroom furniture because I'm in one of the rooms. Like, I'm going to be Kitchen in one. utensils well, ain't caught up with the stove is really about to strike. Mine. Oh, let me tell you how I almost <laughs> set off the sprinklers in my apartment the other night. Was that Friday? <sighs> okay, no. then. All right, sorry. If y'all been long enough, you know I'll go left. So, uh, <laughs> So store punishment, <laughs> I went to the grocery store. I had to put myself on punishment because I was using the grocery store as an excuse to leave the house and I had to stop. So I went Friday because it was like Saturday is going to be too many people. So I went Friday and it was good because <laughs> you have to go in the afternoon because in the morning, everybody is there. But the tricky thing is sometimes the good thing about Trader Joe's, they stop constantly because at four o'clock, they, a truck pulled up when I pulled up. So anyway. Mm-hmm. I saw a steak. It's the only thing that I bought that was not on my list, but it was a little strip steak. I was like, okay, perfect, just for me. So I got home and it was thicker than what I normally cook with when I said, oh, I want to make sure I do this right. So I Googled like foolproof steak because I don't have a grill. It was like, I need to mm-hmm. do full. So the suggestions were to put the steak in the oven. No, no, to heat up the cast iron <laughs> skillet first, put the oven on 500 degrees, heat up the cast iron skillet, Put the skillet on the stove, sear the steak for right. like two minutes, and then put the steak back in the oven for a few minutes. Um, and then to turn on the eye on the stove as high as possible. And it was like, it needs to be super hot because you want the heat to like, you know. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm following the instructions. So, you know, time goes off on the oven. I pull the steak out. 
put it First on the all, stove. And I tell you, just smoke, hearing this story. like erupted <laughs> because I'd also seasoned per instructions the steak with oil. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I ain't never seen smoke come up that fast. <laughs> Like, and at first I was like, okay, okay. I'll just oh, turn the stove. And I used the bad eye. You know how everybody got a favorite eye on the stove? I use my least favorite because it takes a while for it to get hot. So I was like, <laughs> well, apparently it just don't regulate well because that bad boy was on hell. My kitchen filled up with smoke so fast. So I like propped the front door open because I didn't want it to open too much because I was going to be embarrassed. But I guess I didn't do enough. Because my, my smoke detector in my kitchen started beeping. I'm like, shoot. Okay. So, I, you know, I didn't took the, the pot off the oven. I just threw it in the sink. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm like, maybe I should turn on some water. I don't know why. So I turned on, like, the faucet, thinking maybe, like, steam would help, like, distribute the smoke. <laughs> Apparently, that made it worse. <laughs> so, then, no the smoke detector in the living room is going off. And I'm like... <laughs> right. I should have. I, I should have taken a picture of it. My house, my bedroom. Oh, April, you got a whole. Oh my goodness! Like, and I was just like, Lord, please don't let these smoke these sprinklers. I have. I got about twelve sprinklers in my apartment. If, if nothing else, this house is protected. So, oh, so I was like, please don't let the sprinkler system come on. So I'm waving by the smoke detector. Keep in mind, the steak's still in the stove. I mean, still in the in the uh, skillet because I'm. Yeah, I mean the skillet is off the eye, but it's still hot. So, but it's that, but the heat is still, you know, cooking it. So I'm just like, oh damn, mistake. So I go back still to in the skillet. The <laughs> like, what do I do? Do I save <laughs> my steak? Toto was the worst steak I've ever eaten in my life. It was so. Good. And then it wasn't even worth it, girl. Well, the thing, and then I guess I was just so discombobulated because I put the meat thermometer in in the thing. Just because I wanted to see what the temp was. Because the outside is done. Let me tell you, the outside of that steak is cooked. <laughs> Inside, not so much. But I misread the thermometer, the Celsius and the Fahrenheit was getting me a little confused. So I put it back in the oven, but I put it in too long. So it ended up overcooking it. Uh, and it, I just threw it away. I, I took two uh, bites. And then I tried to make mashed potatoes and forgot I had no milk. Oh, no. <laughs> So oh, I used goodness. all that my was milk. just a bad <laughs> situation. Oh. <laughs> Friday was a fail. My entire dinner Ooh, was hey. a fail. I know it was so bad. I was just like, I was talking to my mom about it later. She was like, "Girl, don't you do that again?" Oh, <laughs> so don't goodness. worry. It'll take but one time for me to learn. Um, when the recipe calls for high heat, they're talking about ovens and stoves that are fancier than mine. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that almost, <laughs> I almost not set the this residential grade, <laughs> <laughs> right? Not basic level apartment grade. That could not, yeah. So yeah, that was my madness. <laughs> wow! From this past week. Wow. What about you all? Any media madness or memes? <laughs> yes. So mine is the um these battles that have been going on. And when I tell you these battles have been giving life, I love black people. I love our talents. I love our skill. I love our ability to turn any kind of negative into something entertaining and or funny. Like we can just we can turn something into anything. Um, and so the entertainment factor has been amazing and I have absolutely loved, um, 
uh, T-Pain and Lil Jon's battle, y'all. First of all, it was two, over 260,000 yes. people watching this live last night. It was so good. It was so I, good. Yeah, yeah. It was I almost dope. feel like I should have dressed dope. for the occasion and then taken pictures <laughs> and posted pictures for Instagram since I was in there. But, you know, maybe next time. Maybe next time I will, like, really fully engage. But when I tell you, like, I shut the club down. Like, she stayed the whole two hours. Girl, I was there when the lights came on. When they started playing the the slow music, slow jams. Or the the gospel. No, they played a (laughs) They actually played a new, it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, if you stay to the end, you'll get a special treat kind of thing. So I was like, okay, I kind of want to know what the special treat is. See, that's how they get you. At the real club, they keep it to the end so you keep buying them watered down drinks. Yep, exactly. I didn't have a watered down drink, but I did stay to the end. But it was good. I enjoyed it. It was so good. Um, I didn't realize how funny T-Pain was. Hilarious. Um, I love just the energy between the two. I also realized Lil Jon can't dance. (laughs) It's amazing. He was clapping on one and three a little too much. And he moves in a way. I was like, oh, he can't dance. It's so funny. You make crunk music, which I guess because you don't really have to dance. You just bop. They just, just jump and, and fight right. movements. Yeah. But um it's like, oh, little John can't dance. Um, interesting. John but said he don't have to dance. He, he just, know, he look, he make y'all, he make us dance. He make everybody right. else move. It was, I was so good. Up dancing. Yeah. I caught it late because I fell asleep early, but at three thirty in the morning I was in my jam out. Hey now. I'm looking forward to adding that to the workout playlist. Yes, nice. I'm so excited. Yeah. 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 I think the only madness I have to share is our state, South Carolina. And I say our very, very, you know, because I, you know, I I don't claim it. But uh, get my taxes. Listen, you're a resident now, honey. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that there are other states that are, you know, stay at home orders, you know, do not leave the house for essential things. And our governor, met um had this full announcement and everybody was like oh he's gonna put us on a full stay-at-home order for the whole state and he literally was just like we're just closing more non-essential businesses like we're closing the shoe stores we're closing barnes and noble like hobby Lobby. i'm like really that's all you're gonna give us like you just gonna close a couple of stores like that's it that's all Mm -hmm. so i'm concerned well, it's tricky, too, because I think a lot of these politicians are trying to avoid, especially if you live in a red state, um, like government overreach or whatever, mm. um, because it's it's there have been questions about the constitutionality or if that's the right word of yeah. the shelter in place orders. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these governors are really like, especially in, like, again, a red states who don't like big government, whatever, mm-hmm. are treading lightly because the governor of Alabama issued a stay in place order, shelter in place that basically didn't change <laughs> anything. Didn't change so like the city of Columbia has a shelter in place order that is more restrictive than the state. So right. I think it's one of those things that I hope people would just do what's right without being told because there's pushback then too. Cause you know, we like our freedoms. Um, right. and I don't know if like governors are banking on that or they're just worried about reelection and not wanting to be touted as the governor who, you know, made their people, you know, forced their people out of business. Cause then there's going to be economic pushback mm-hmm. from. So I think it's a political move more than a safety move. Um, but all that to be said, people just need to push they not. But use common sense. 
Like the government is oh. going to have to. I know they don't want to overreach, but they're going to have to reach right. and tap a couple of us mm-hmm. and be like, get somewhere and sit down. Like, I, I think the, the problem way. is we haven't really been shown like not to say that we need a scare tactic, but I feel like we need to see the reality of what this looks like when it's bad and we haven't been shown that, right? So you're hearing from the people who are on the front lines, but you're not hearing it really being stressed. You know, we hear the media saying things like, oh, you know, our health care system is busting at the seams. Our health care um, workers are not being provided with the things that they need or businesses that don't pay their workers a whole lot. Those are now the essential places and people are, you know, being held at risk. We haven't actually been shown what does that look like? Like, what is a person who is really sick with this look like? And so when we don't know that, like, it, we are um, removed from it. Right. And so I think people are like, well, I ain't seen nobody sick and I don't really know what it looks like. So, yeah, you know, it's fine. I'm, I'm just going to make my little run. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And not realizing, like, look, if you bring this back into your household or around your family members, or you're letting your children run around here and having playdates with these other kids, and you don't know what people who was in and out those people's houses, like you're basically just saying, I'm willing to take the yeah. risk and I'm willing to put everybody else around me at risk. Yeah. And I think we do a good job. We don't do a good job of estimating danger. And so we tend to underestimate danger and overestimate our safety in situations like this. And part of it, I think, is a um, protective thing. Like we don't want to we don't want to believe that what what it means to be in a pandemic. Right. So if if I can convince myself that it's not that bad and that it's okay if I go, you know, if I go to, I don't know, whatever, and stand around 20 people, it's not that bad because, you know, we'll get past this versus looking at it as like, no, every time you go out, you are literally putting your health at risk. So that means when you do leave, it needs to be very important. Um, and, and it's so weird too, because when you decide like, what do I close? Like we were talking about a little bit off about the beaches. And I was thinking like, if it's a beach where, cause I, if I live by a beach, I would love to just be able to go outside and sit on the beach by myself, mm-hmm. you know, but we know humans is like, what is this going to turn into y'all flocking to the beach for barbecues right. or, <laughs> or are you just going to go take your walk? Yeah. About to have these yourself. bonfires going. It's going to be 50, right. 60, 11 people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would love to be by a beach right now. Yeah. But we ain't gonna do right though. <laughs> people yeah. ain't gonna do right. But you know, some people some people will do right, but it's it's yeah. it's that few that's gonna ruin it for everybody. Ruin it for everybody. Just close it all down. Okay. Yeah. Well so that was our memes, media, and madness for today. But shout out to the battles. They are great. We, yeah. we, we yeah. love, Keep them coming. We love anything that's making us smile. Yes. 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 Oh. Ooh, I may say I had a question. But what? What's up? Who would you want to see battle? Chris Brown and um, Trey Songs. Ooh. Oh. Hmm. Now that would be nice. I would want to see Joe and Tank. Oh. Hmm. 
Joe and Tank. That'd be good. Yeah, I don't love the singers. I love Joe. I absolutely love Joe. I think he's so underrated. So underrated. He is. He absolutely is. What about you, Shari? Who would you want to see? Um, y'all know how I am with on the spot. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) You want us to come back? Factors. There's so many factors. We can come back. We can come back to you. Yeah. Um, Send one send one your love. We come back to you. I'm gonna come back around. I'm gonna wrap it around. You know, my brain needs a minute. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, okay, awesome. so our topic today, we wanted to talk about code switching and what does that mean? Do you do it? Do we do it? And why? And what types of settings do you find yourself um, code switching? And uh, how do you feel about it in general? So mm-hmm. I would want to start with a question to you all. What do you what do you hear when you hear the word code switch? Like what comes to mind? For me, the thing that comes to mind is protection. So when I hear the word code switching, I think about it being something to keep to keep safety, to mm-hmm. keep danger away, to blend in, to fit in, to in order to be safe. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay, that's good. For me, something that comes to mind is I need to get some I need to make something happen or I need to get something done. And so for me, I think about code switching is, okay, if I make people feel a certain way, then if they're comfortable, then they're going to be more relaxed and willing to help me in my efforts, if that makes sense. So it's, it's kind of about getting things done for me like productivity yeah okay um when i hear it i immediately think of um performative um like putting on a persona and what's the opposite of genuine opposite of what genuine is it disingenuous 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 yeah Yeah. so like lacking authenticity yes Mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha Mm -hmm. inauthentic yeah that's it like inauthentic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting so there are some polls, right? So there are some, some, and, and, and you do, I do read things where it's like different, you know, opposites. Like some people look at code switching as positive or beneficial. Other people look at it as, you know, disingenuous, lacking, you know, authenticity. And so there are lots of conversations around is code switching good or bad, you know, kind of hate to use those black and white terms, but that's kind of how, you know, sometimes it's thought of. And is there, is there a middle ground, right? Is is there a middle ground between, you know, for I think it could be both and um, to what you're saying. Like, although I do feel like it's performative, it's a persona, it's it's inauthentic. I do see the, I want to say need. I do understand the need for Mm -hmm. it or Mm -hmm. why it exists. Um, Yeah. So I always find myself like, even in personal conflict, when I find myself code switching, um, because it's, am I perpetuating this idea? So typically when I code, when I hear myself code switch is usually in professional settings. Yeah. Um, like there's a type of code switching I do around my family. Um, but it's not really code. Sw- it's just, par- so with around family is just, I'm in a different, my identity is different. Like mm. I'm April, the daughter or April, the niece. So I'm sometimes treated in that, you know, like no matter how old you are, you're yeah. still a child. Mm-hmm. Like you're still a little. Yeah. So that code. But you, switching, but you enter into that persona, though. So it is yeah. still kind of a switch a little bit. It's a But switch. that makes me think about, like, how do we define code switching? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because 
some people would say, some people would argue and say, well, that's code switching. Right. Anytime that you like alter how you express yourself, alter how you um, express who you are based on your audience. Some people would say, well, that's just that's code switching. The right. language that you use, the like, like Shari said, the way that you express yourself, the way that you present yourself. Right. If it's different, if there's any kind of shift, um, whether I think maybe intentional or even right. unintentional. Right. You know. It could I think, be seen as code switching. Right. I agree. I think for me, I, I differentiated differentiated with the reason. Okay. Um, so like code switching to my family doesn't feel like icky versus work. Um, so with code switching in my family, I'm not trying to get anything out of it. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't believe that it's going to get me a better position. Some of it is like mm-hmm. values around respect. Like, I'm not drinking mm-hmm. with my mom. I'm not talking about certain things with my dad. It's just like, eh, that's weird. I, uh, it's not going to do that. Versus if I hear myself or catch myself code switching in professional settings, it's because I believe if I do this, you are going to perceive me as smarter, more intelligent, mm-hmm. more capable, which is going to grant me opportunities. Versus with family, mm-hmm. ain't no, uh, y'all ain't like, y'all not going to stop loving me. This is going to be uncomfortable on my end if I, ugh, like that. So it's code switching. I think I, it feels different because the reason, um, is to me on different sides. One doesn't feel in a, not inauthentic in the same way. It's kind of like how we have different identities at work and different identities with our friends. Um, is it code mm-hmm. switching? Yeah. Or is it, you don't, piece, people get to see different pieces of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so code switching. Yes, but I guess when I think capital C, capital S code switching, I tend to think of like the professional voice or quote unquote white voice, like hiding pieces of black of what's attributed to being black Mm -hmm. because of perception and access. I think I can remember it was Char or Erica that mentioned like you get some you're you're going to get something from it. So, yeah. So one of the things that I I think about with with the code switching is, um, you know, I, I often talked about um it's 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 laborious right it takes a lot of energy to code switch and i i often say i'm accepting of it i think it i i actually value the ability to code switch so for me i see it as being able to be able to be present in lots of different spaces and have the skills to interact in a way where people feel like they are getting the true me, right? And so they are getting the true me, but they only get pieces, right? And so to me, I feel like it is a benefit because I get to share the pieces of myself that I want to be shared in those spaces. And I choose to protect the pieces that I want to protect, right? right? And so I, I actually value being able to code switch, but then sometimes I do, sometimes I do recognize like, gosh, sometimes it's very draining and tiring to have to serve as present in some aspects and shielding of myself in others. It's almost like wielding a sword in one hand and holding the shield in the other hand and how it's extra work, right? It's it's more laborious. It and yeah, yeah. But I I look at it, you know, as a positive if it's being used in, you know, a way to protect myself, but also bring 
um, comfort in the space, in a space that I'm in. So I kind of see it that way. But I can also see how it can be a a negative at the same time. So a both and, like April was saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Like I see that both and where it is kind of that that positive space to be able to, there are specific spaces where, where blending in is protective where blending in is a part of social mobility it's a part of like stability in a sense and so I can see like some positives in that um I also see positives in being able to like hide in plain sight you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying like being able to like be in plain sight and and to be able to be parts of yourself um but I I definitely can see the cost of code switching and how it can be extremely exhausting how it can be in authentic and it can leave you feeling fractured like you can't be yourself you know like you're not allowed to be yourself Mm -hmm. and being all parts of yourself aren't good enough in a sense and so it does carry that both and um how do you guys differentiate between the two like are you in a space of being like i just try not to do it i try to do it in certain spaces and not in other places like how do you engage and how you use it or if you use it at all? I try to be intentional um, about not code switching. Like, okay, I'm a words person. So for me, when I think of code switching, I think of changing the way I speak, not necessarily how I present like my likes and dislikes. So some of that is too much to kind of to what you were saying, Erica, like I'm just not talking about certain things at work because I've already talked about like my work boundary. Like I don't really think of that as code switching. It's just I have a boundary at work. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I think mm-hmm. of code switching, I think of typically race related or things that are attached to blackness because I don't really hear about white people code switching. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, I tend to look at it from a lens of like white supremacy a little bit. Like we, I have to, I am expected to speak like this because it um, connotes a certain level of expertise. But in reality, that's not true because I use slang and I have a PhD, right? Like not saying a PhD means mm-hmm. that I'm smart or whatever. <laughs> For example, only. so I try to be mm-hmm. intentional. I try to catch my myself when I find myself doing it and have a little like reflection like why why did you change the way you spoke just then why do you feel like the way you speak any other somehow changes what you have to bring to the table um so I try to do my own reflection and challenging those like because it's it's you do something for me it can be I'm not even I don't realize it until I hear myself like oh you you don't speak like that normally like why now and I have a really good example and I'll pass it on Mm. um I was at work when I was saying private, um, private practice and I had two young girls I was seeing and I was calling their grandmother to set up an appointment and call to speak to their grandmother and they in the background, Miss April, why are you sounding white? I mean, <laughs> and they called me out. So I, I Miss April, yeah. you sound like a white woman. <laughs> why did you? And I'm just like, I didn't even realize it. And to me, that's my professional voice. Yeah. So there's a whole nother, you know, thing with, yeah. And I don't yeah. want, like a I don't want to put, yeah. I don't want to promote yeah. that stereotype of that idea that this is the, this is a professional speak that the way me. Yeah. Right. And so I actually see it a little bit differently, right? Because in my mind, I don't like for professional speak to be right. connoted as white. So for me, I want to be a black woman who sounds professional mm-hmm. and I don't sound white. 
I sound like a professional black woman and it's not I don't so for me part of part of me presenting in a way of I'm gonna speak professionally I'm gonna be a black female professional is if I say that oh well I need to tone it down to sound different so that I don't speak in a certain way I'm saying for me I'm saying that professional sounds is the sound professional and and whiteness Mm -hmm. are equal and that's that's not that's not the same I think I have a I have a, a a special connection to that too because Growing up when I was young, you know, my cousins right. would, you know, call me the little white girl, right? Because, um, you know, just the way that we spoke was a big thing for my, my mother. Um, and just like being educated and speaking clearly and articulating yourself, I w- that was something that was pushed by my mother. So I didn't look at it like, oh, some white person is telling me I need to sound this way. Is my mother who's saying, hey, you need to sound articulate. You need to you know, express yourself in a certain way. So when, you know, I would get the, you know, the jeers and things from, you know, cousins and siblings, like, oh, you sound like a little white girl. I was like, well, dang, but this is, (laughs) this is how I talk. So, you know, what, what do I need to sound like? And so for me, speaking differently was inauthentic because that's not, that wasn't how I was raised to to talk. Um, But I do, but I can hear when I'm changing from a, you know, articulate black woman speak to what I do consider sounding like the white woman, right? So that stuff I am aware of, but I, I did the, I announced the commencement speaker I guess it was last year um, at at the university that I work and my mentee said, oh, my gosh, Dr. James, I didn't even realize that was you speaking. You sounded so white. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> really? I, I did not. That's not how I thought I right. sound. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm in front of all these people. This is recorded. This is posted online. There's thousands of people here. I want to make sure that I articulate myself in the best way possible. And so to get that feedback was a little bit shocking. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things like how do we separate, you know, articulation from that this is white? Why can't I connect articulation to being an articulate black voice why can't that be a black voice which reminds me of that horrible movie sorry to bother you i loved it oh my god i loved it (laughs) i cannot it was so weird but i liked it it was weird (sighs) yeah i well i'm gonna let shari go because i have a thought something you said no you can jump in um i think there's overlap between what's considered professional and um, certain characteristics of white speech, right? So we know that with black people, of course, black people are not a monolith, but there are certain vernacular, there are certain things that are common to the diaspora, right? How we speak, our tone. Um, and that can get tricky because you don't want to get too stereotypical with like assuming, because a lot of that also has to do, do with who we were raised around, right? Like I have an amazing friend um, who's from Salt Lake City. And she sounds like she's from Salt Lake City. Well, when I first met her. Now, not so much. But she's from Salt Lake City. So she's going to sound like the people she grew up around. So I think there's overlap between what is perceived as professional. Like, it's it's not 
Same thing with dress. A lot of it was determined by the people in majority who did not look like us, which is why I tend to rebel personally against like me thinking that professional sounding is anything but me making sure that I'm speaking clearly. Right. So if it's me just simply yeah. pronouncing my words a little clearer, making sure I'm slowing down, that's different versus me kind of taking on like this tone that I normally don't speak. In. Like it's a difference. Um, and I think that's kind of where I think it can get muddy sometimes is, is mm-hmm. figure out like, where do these norms come from of what's considered like for the longest, I would not longest, but I, I remember my program, people would laugh when I would say y'all and I would, I had stopped saying it. Then I was like, no, you know what I mean? Y'all is, you know what I mean? Like this me saying, if me saying y'all somehow makes you look at me as less than that's a you problem and not a me problem. Um, but it goes into that whole, like, where do we get these ideals of what is considered smart? And there's so much, it's not just racism. There's even regional things. If you have a Southern accent, like similar to what Erica was saying, I was always praised as a kid for the way I spoke. Um, I didn't really get too many jeers about it, but cause, or maybe I ignored them because I was getting praised from like church. (laughs) So I was always asked to do speeches and and do these oratorical contests. So I was always, so I know, even with me saying that when I talk about cold switching, I ain't coming from that far. Like, you know, so even be mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, you know, it definitely does come from somewhere. I was watching um this show called 100 humans on i think it's i didn't get past the intro Um, the intro was like oh my uh. goodness yeah (laughs) well there was one episode and they asked the question basically do we it was an episode based off of like preference and um discrimination and things like that and so they talked about do we discriminate or do we have preferences Mm. on accent um, and what I like about the show is after they do like their little experiments um, to see what these hundred humans would do, um, they talk, they sit down and talk to someone in the field. So an expert in the field. And they were basically asking the question around like, where do accents and code switching, like, where does it come from? And um, she was a linguistics professor. And talked a little bit about how accents as well as code switching typically came from places or regions that didn't have the most immigrant mm. influence, right? And so she was like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't come from places where people where most of the people were, because if that was the case, then everybody would look up to like a New York right. accent or, you know, a Jersey accent or something of that nature. But it was more regional based off of places that didn't have the most immigrants. And so if you think about New York, if you think about like the East Coast, a lot of immigrants were there. You think about the South, a lot of immigrants came, you know, through the transatlantic slave trade to the South. And so the place where there weren't a lot of immigrants was this Midwest Mm. place. And that became kind of the ideal um, accent hmm. that is the ideal way of speaking. That's so interesting. And so that was really interesting. Yeah. Cause I had never thought about it. I knew, you know, I had heard ample times that the newscaster accent is the Midwest accent. Right. That's the standard. That's the preferred accent. Right. Yeah. Um, but I never thought about like why and where that came from. So right. you, you raise a really good point around 
when thinking about code switching and thinking about why we may change up, you know, if we say y'all, if we say you guys, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, like why and where that comes from. Right, right. And it kind of, you saying that actually made me think about you, you and Erica's question in the beginning when I mentioned code switching with family and code switching with work is that my family constellation created the norm of where I sit relationally. Like that was created by my family versus the norm for how I'm supposed to speak was created by a system that I had no, no power in um, or system of racism. So I think, I think that may be why the two don't like, they feel different. Like they feel different for you. Yeah. Um, Whereas with professional standards, to me, it's like my way of bucking the system a little bit of like, no, I'm not going to conform because someone said that this is, a you know, that I should speak and act this way in order to, you know, be perceived or at least I'm, you know, trying not to. Whereas family is like, oh, this is my family culture. It's the culture of my family versus the culture of um the U.S. But it's so hard, though, because you catch it like, or you don't catch it sometimes until yeah. it's like, ooh. Like, why did I pick up? I don't normally. That's how it is for me. Like, it's so unconscious. Yeah. And I can remember when I started to code switch, like in professional settings or academic settings, which is most of my life. Um, I can remember when it happened. Um, and it huh. happened, well, the, I'm not gonna say I can actually remember when I can remember my first instance was I did a graduate research program. So each summer I would do graduate research programs and I did one in Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and I kept saying, it may have been y'all or something. And the people in the room were kind of like, we don't understand what you're saying. Like, what are you saying? And I'm speaking full blown English, right? And you don't have it's not fluid in any other. Uh, well, you don't I have don't. a strong. Okay, well, now sorry. I don't have a strong oh, accent, okay, right? Okay. Because yeah. it began at that point, and so now, and that was like 2003. That was like right. 2003. So that was a, a okay. minute ago. But up until that point, even through, and I was an undergrad, but even throughout grad school, I can remember moments where I would change or tone down my accent, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because one, I was one, I was the only Southerner in my, in my program. And so yep. it becomes so unconscious. So speaking to that point, and I know Erica's talked about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, yeah, my accent, my Southern comes out uh, a lot when, um, you know, just when I'm at home with my family, especially when I'm with my family. But yeah, I make it a point to pull back that, that, you know, that twang, if you will. Yeah. um, Yeah. In in professional spaces, just because um, I just remember when we first, when I first started graduate school and having to record or, you know, our video and then watch your (laughs) sessions and going, oh my God, is that me? (laughs) But you know, to be fair, I don't know anybody who likes the sound of their voice. But like literally, you know, because, you know, we listen to podcasts and oftentimes I hear people like, no, I don't watch my work because I hate the sound of my voice. I don't listen to episodes because I hate how my voice sounds. Yeah. But so I get that. But in fairness, too. But those videos. Oh, I hate it. I hated it. And so it I think it made me hyper aware. So, 
you know, growing up, okay, I'm getting the feedback about sounding like the white girl, but all my family was Southern. So Mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't getting any feedback about being Southern. Right. But then when I got into the professional world and having to record and hear my voice and going, whoa, Mm -hmm. um, that's not cute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you know what? But now, and I think it took a while just going up and moving further into professional life. I was so self-conscious about it, you know, in my master's level training that when I got to my doctoral level training, And we were watching videos and I was just like really stiff and uptight and just very kind of my supervisor. And she was my advisee, Dr. She was my, excuse me, academic advisor, Dr. Linda Campbell. And I just remember her one day saying like, why do you seem so like stiff? Like, why do you seem so, because everything about me was like, I got to be buttoned up. I got to sound this way. I got to look this way. I got to sit this way. And she was like, you're not normally like that. Mm. And I was like, I mean, because like I'm in the room, you know, with the client. She was like, no, not really. She's like, you're not in the room. Like somebody's in there, but you're not. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was like kind of the first time that someone was like, you, it's fine to bring you in the room like you can you can bring your whole self yeah in the room and you will probably connect so much more with your client by bringing your whole self in the room and then after that it just like it just felt so much more natural right to to just be me and honey when when I got that permission (laughs) Erica showed up Dr. Jane showed up EJ showed up and and only occasionally because you don't want to see EJ EJ in session you you want Erica and Dr. James in there with you you don't want EJ in the room with you but I was able to like you know bring certain pieces of myself in there and it felt so much more um, authentic authentic yeah yeah and it's so funny how we get these messages like implicitly and explicitly I was even thinking like I would I think what I heard feedback that I heard regarding how I spoke was I was told that I would talk proper and I remember going to school, especially to college, being told, oh, you don't sound like you're from Alabama. You don't sound like you're from the South. Exactly. And I used to I used to receive that as like, oh, like as a compliment because I had you know, been exposed to messages that Southern speak or Southern accents are not proper or not, you know, perceived as that was ig- perceived as ignorant. Right. And so when people would tell me that I didn't sound like from the South, I used to like, oh, good. Like, nice. I don't have a Southern accent. But then as I, you know, began to get older and just a little more comfortable with myself, I'm like, I don't know if I like that because I love Southern accents. Like, Mm -hmm. I was listening to some, like, TikTok video of a guy from Atlanta. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, his voice sounds like music. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want my voice to sound like music. <laughs> yeah, it's got so much soul in it, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So I found, I found though that, you know, the language piece is probably like my biggest code switching. So I said, well, I want to balance that. So one of the things that I tried to make sure I did was if I'm going to code switch in like my language and how I talk to people, I'm going to be very intentional about not um, or I'm going to be very intentional about representing other parts of my blackness Mm -hmm. in a stronger way. So like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I, you know, especially in academia, you know, with the dress code being a little more lax, like I wanted to make sure that, you know, I would wear my, you know, 
black and educated, you know, graphic tees with my, you know, blazer. I wear my hair wrap, you know, wear my Africa earring, you know, whatever I felt like. And especially when I felt like there were things going on in the world that were very anti-black, I I became very pro-black in my spaces. Um, Just because I was like, I, I need people so you don't forget you know, who, who she is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very much so, um, a black woman. And so that was one of those things. Like, I never want you to forget just, I, I might not, you might not hear it. So I need you to see it. Mm, that's a good, what about you, Shari? Yeah, I kind of agree. I know that, um, code switching can be, especially with my language can be, like I said, very unconscious for me. And so I have really tried to do a balance. Like I've tried to balance it out. And I know a lot of it, um, like Erica said, came from early on. My mom was very much like, you know, she's a teacher. So she's very much like, we will use good diction. We will (laughs) use good syntax. Like we are going to speak correctly in this house, you know? And so a lot of it came from that. But even as I think about just her reasoning, um, most of it was because she was a teacher. But a lot of it, like I said, that first part was for safety. Like if I'm going to send you out into the world, I need you to come back to me and I need you to prosper and I need you to be okay, And I need you to be able to show up in spaces that are going to accept you. And so because I know it's so ingrained in the way that I think because it started so young and was then rewarded throughout my entire life, um, I work really hard to pull down that unconsciousness. I work really hard Mm -hmm. to pulled down like when I am switching when I am moving in between those codes you know and what that means for me you know and so even like talking to like like I have a completely different name at home like nobody calls me Shari nobody like you guys that you guys know like you've met my family and like Mm -hmm. when family is around like nobody says oh Shari like I have family members who are like, who is Shari? Like, who is that person? (laughs) Like, cousins who are like, girl, that is not your name, you know? And so it's that deep for me, you know? So I have to be really, really intentional about pulling down the code, like not switching, deciding not to switch. And that part for me is actually more taxing than code switching at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where I go back and forth between like, ah, you know, is it bad? Is it good? You know, I can't, I can't say. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the the question before when you initially asked putting a, a title on it. Um, and I think it not necessarily about it being bad or good is what does it feel like to you? Um, because what's bad for one is not bad for another is what's what's OK for you. And I think sometimes that answer may change. Um, I know for me, I don't like it because um, it signals something else for me. It, it signals conformity, which I don't like. Um, so I I guess for me, my kind of summation of how to deal with it is. Figure out why I'm doing it. And if it's coming from a place of, well, no, it's necessary because um, my audience, right? Because sometimes I'll code switch depending on my audience. I'm not going to speak to a group of professionals the same way I speak to a group of intro to psych students because it's going to change how the message is received 
because based off of my understanding, not because of perception. So if it's that, I'm fine with that type of code switching. But if it's somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, no, I need these people to know that I'm smart or that I'm competent. Then that's when I'm like, nope, because why do you think this is, you know, that's where I go into like the, the battle. Um, so my, it's for me, it's an act of rebellion and, mm. and stating who I am. And I kind of look to people who I, I see come show up as themselves authentically. Um, like one thing I love about Napoleon, Dr. Wells, is that you going to get Napoleon, whether it's at a panel discussion, whether it's at a TED talk, whether it's over a glass of wine, that's who shows up and shows up in full. And I think of one of my um, former advisors, Dr. Susanna Morris, she's uh, with the Crump Feminist Collective. I remember the first time I heard her speak, I was like, that's a black woman. Like <laughs> you in speech and, and I, and those are the, you know, thinking like, I want to be, I hate, you know, we've ruined unapologetically, but to show up, <laughs> show up in full without having to. So that's kind of where I wrestle with is the why, why am I doing it? And make sure that it's not attached to this belief that I need to be closer to whiteness to be perceived as, um, yeah competent and i and so i have i have a a visceral reaction to that right because Mm -hmm. it's like what you just said was like her like the way that she presents is unapologetically black Mm -hmm. whereas someone who doesn't sound or speak that way Mm -hmm. doesn't fit that representation of blackness well it wasn't so much as the way she spoke is that it was the same it was consistent she didn't Mm -hmm. tone down um, the same way she spoke to me in our in our advising meetings or over the phone was the mm-hmm. same way she spoke when she was in front of crowds. So it was a consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I mean by unapologetically black is that she was herself at all times. There mm-hmm. was no um, let me put on this hat because I'm a doctor and I'm a professor. And make, mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. How, how what you saw is what you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. I do like to be like shaped and pulled in like those instances where I do notice myself um, starting to code switch. Um, Because I think April and I had a conversation about this when I was talking about um, having an outing with some friends um, who happened to be white. And I was like, it's just so exhausting. Like, I enjoy going. I enjoy being in their company. I enjoy being around them, but it's so exhausting that sometimes I just don't even want to be there. Um, And Mm -hmm. we had, you remember that conversation, April? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we had that conversation around just like code switching and what that means. And do I have to, you know, right? and where it came from because they weren't asking me to, right? That wasn't a requirement in order to be in the space like they if I brought it up they would probably be like oh my gosh why are you doing that you know like we would never want you to do that but it was so it was like a a requirement that I put on myself before I even Mm -hmm. got there like it wasn't like oh I showed up and it felt like I needed to be safe Mm -hmm. and to go into this space it was no like before I even got in the car to get there I'm getting I'm thinking about getting ready you know and it's like yeah, oh, yeah. it's just so taxing like I don't want to have to go. and it was probably early too exactly yeah <laughs> yeah it was an early uh, early which I already you know <laughs> you know black folks in brunch we be like I'll meet you there at noon <laughs> right one o'clock say, white I folks brunch started at a different they, time eight, 
like dang that's <laughs> breakfast that ain't brunch but yeah right for you shari though do i don't it still doesn't i don't think that came from nowhere though like well let me not project have you had experiences in the past where you have shown up fully in groups of white people where you were the only black and were either rejected ignored or fell out of place most certainly yeah 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 um and not with them, I would say not with. Oh them, no, 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 not with them. General, but like, yeah, yeah, life. yeah. Oh, like certainly. previous experiences. Most certainly. Like I grew up, um, and I was the only black in a lot of spaces. Um, and so uh, I think we've had this conversation either on here or just you know off air, where like I grew up as the quote unquote token. Like I mm-hmm. was, if you. Mm-hmm put a token somewhere (laughs) that was my life (laughs) growing up and so I kind of like you said April like very young I started to associate pride with that Mm -hmm. and I had to do undo a lot of that I had to take that and like just kind of sit with it especially like going into undergrad like to a HBCU where like nope you black and we all black you know where so I had to pull away from that but it still shows up in the code switching right so taking pride in not necessarily feeling as though I'm unsafe but feeling as though like hey I can do this like I can I can switch or I can be like that non-threatening person um yeah it's that safety thing that you talked about it's that safety it's that you know the safety and it's also the the way to gain resources you know, and so outside of safety, it's it it was the way to gain resources growing up, you know, in school. It was the way to gain resources. If you're the only black in this area, then you get all the resources for the black people. Right. And so because I don't think that that's beneficial to myself or anyone else, um, I consciously fight that battle when it shows up like no, it's not okay to be the only black in the room. Like I consciously fight that. Like I'm always like, well, if I'm coming, I'm bringing my homegirls or I'm coming, somebody Mm -hmm. coming with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so now, like, like I said, my pendulum has swung the other direction where Mm -hmm. it's like, I won't be the only black in this room. Like somebody else is coming because we deserve the space just as much as anybody else. Um, So, yeah. Gosh, this is like almost could be a part two of like taking up space. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I can, I remember when we had that conversation and kind of like question, well, well, why, like we, why can't we show up and bring our full selves? And I think some of it has to do with experiences of either it wasn't received or you're the only person in the room who's talking about the episode of Martin. Exactly. You know, everybody else talking about friends or One Tree Hill. But you like, but on Moesha <laughs> last night, like Q and Ohaji and nobody else. So you like you learn um, these social cues and how to navigate socially. And some of that, those lessons, especially if you did not grow up in majority black settings, you learn that the more the closer you are, the more proximity you have to the majority group, the more access you have to resources, the more social capital that you have. And it takes unlearning to learn how to show up all pieces and to take up space and say, oh, The Bachelor, I don't watch that. But you know what you should watch? Blackish. Right. Now, next week, we're going to talk about Blackish, right. you know, <laughs> and like right. insert. And that takes a lot to to be able to like insert yourself 
into spaces when you're the minority and you know everybody else don't have similar experiences. So it's easy to just like, well, I'll just fall fade in the background. It's nothing for, for sure. me to just, yeah. But what I have, I think what has come out of that, um, because I haven't been able to, and I don't even know if I, I actually want to fully unravel some of that code switching, but, but the way that I've learned to use it is, yeah, I'm going to show up in this space and I am, I may sound like you or whatever, you know, and we're going to talk about Martin, you know? And so yeah. it's like the way of being able to say, like, I'm bringing it all in the things that I learned as a code switcher, you know, um, but also the things that I know myself to be. And so it feels less fractured to me at this stage yeah. than before, like 2003, when it first started to happen, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, that kind of explanation. Cause it's kind of like, I get to be in the space and then when it's time for me to elevate and be like, okay, let me just remind you. <laughs> right. <laughs> That guess what? Oops, I'm already at the table, boo. <laughs> I'm here now. Right, I'm here now. Let me let me remind you. You know, this is what yeah. this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. This is how we're this is how we're going to, you know, support my people. Right. This right. is how we're going to um help those who are not represented here, right? And so you're at the table and sometimes, you know. I'm I'm fine with hey if I got a code switch to to get here like there there's one thing I can't switch and that is the color of my skin so like you 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 know I'm here you know I may I may seem to fit in on the surface but guess what I I, I bring all of my tools right with me so right. while I'm at the table when it's time for me to be like yeah so let me go ahead and pull this <laughs> off from under the table right because it came up in here with me. Like I can still do that work for those who aren't at the table and be like, yeah, we about to bring, you know, four, five more, you know, that need representation sure. up in here. For sure. I, it's I'm such a, that. it's such a complete, like I sit in such a conflicted state with like conversations like this um, for so many different reasons. I think, you know, I've shared a couple, but like I, I sit it, it's so, it, it stretches me in different ways, you know, because I want to be like, I, I want to be known as that, like, like April said, that unapolog unapologetically black woman, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm not apologizing for who I am and how I show up in the world, but I do see the pot, like the needs for it. I see the needs for like switching. And so I get so conflicted in those spaces, you know, mm -hmm. so conflicted. So it's a really good yeah. conversation. This is. Yeah. This definitely could be a, a ongoing one. I think um, it should. Yeah. I think it should. Like, yeah. I think, you know, like you said, we should definitely talk about taking up space um, mm -hmm. as black women, as women in general. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That should definitely yeah. be like a part two for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. If we had to kind of, if you want to, if you haven't already, some, some of this has been takeaways, but all for last takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be if you had to sum up kind of your thoughts on this or advice? My, my, my summation would be like everyone's weapon of choice is going to be different. I like it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say you arm yourself with, you know, with the, with the tools that's going to help you, but that's also going to feel, um, 
true to you, right? Um, and then you use you use the weapons that are fitting to the situation, right? And so I say ar- arm yourself, equip yourself with the tools that are going to be beneficial for you. That's going to help you fight for you, but also fight for the others, right, that, that you're trying to fight for. Oh, that's dope. That's and good. to add to that, like I would say my takeaway is to think about just authenticity, you know. Um, that's like always my goal, my goal word each year. I'm like, I just want to be more and more authentic to myself into who I am and who I'm supposed to be in this world. And so authenticity is a big one, you know, because I do often try to say, is it good? Is it bad? Where should I fall? What's the perfect balance? And, you know, a lot of it is being authentic, like authentic to who you are um, and being able to say, like, how do I want to show up in this world? And, and why am I changing that? So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so funny, Erica, that was a quote or another quote, the statement you used, because I had pulled this quote up at the beginning of the episode, Audrey Lord's, um, the master's tools will never dismantle, um, the master's house. So just encouraging self-reflection of the why behind mm-hmm. it before even trying to attempt to dismantle whatever, asking, well, why do I believe this to be the right way or quote unquote mm-hmm. right way? Um, and go from there and then lead to what feels right for you. So I think those, once you're, I think I agree with Shara about the authenticity piece. Um, cause it has to, you can't wear somebody else's or hold somebody else's baton. Like it has no. to be your thing. Um, so Absolutely. this was good. This was really good. Yeah. We should yeah. definitely, like I said, follow up with more conversation about, about this. Um, and just the branches that come from it. Yeah. I think it, I would love to have a conversation about, um, there's a book that I, I bought for someone that's called Black Faces and White Spaces. Ooh. And just kind of psychologically what that what that is like, you know, what kinds of things it brings up um, and what it's like to kind of navigate that. What um were they talking about like professional spaces, school spaces? They were they were talking about professional spaces, okay. but I think that, you know, that can be explored in all kinds of spaces, you know. Yeah. That's yeah, good. For sure. Um do you know the author? Let's see. It's in my Kindle reads. Let me see. It reminds me of the um is the why all the black kids sit together in the cafeteria? Yeah, book, which I have uh, I have not read. I only know the title, so I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear a lot of people talking it about really it. Good. It's a good. It's book. on my list. I have so I'm not buying another book until I have a bookcase or a bookshelf <laughs> because if you could see how I have these books bootlegged um, on my shelf that I got from Gap when they were closing down. I got a. Um, <laughs> If you the that stand in that glass stand in my sunroom that came from the Gap, it was a, a jean and, t- and t shirt folding table or a display nice. table. Nice. <laughs> Took that right on off their hands. So the book is called Black Faces and White Places: Ten Game Changing Strategies to Achieve Success and Find Greatness. Mm-hmm. And it's by Jeffrey Robinson, Falana Patterson, and Randall Pinkett. Okay. Check that out. I have to check that out. Yeah. Do a little book review. 
Yes, book yeah. club. Book Three sites in the mic yeah. book club. I like it. I like it. <laughs> that might be good. That's cool. <laughs> well, good conversation. Hopefully you guys stuck in with us. I feel like, you know, this was a charged conversation for us. So I yeah. really enjoy when we can have conversations mm-hmm. that we are like, yes, like let's let's dig deep. Um feels like a mini therapy session. But anyway. Right. <laughs> um Let's move into our next segment, which is send one your love. And so this is a time where we think about who we'd like to send our love to, um, who we'd like to direct that energy to over this next week. So do you guys have a person, an entity, something that you'd like to send your love over to? I do. I want to send my love out to Jeffrey Lampkin who is the chef, CEO, founder of Country Boy Cooking out in Sumter, South Carolina, because he has provided my dinner for tonight. Um, so shout out to him who's making deliveries um, and also to all restaurant and small business owners who are just trying to you know, figure out a way to make it happen. Um, I, I met him via James Patrick during the Mental Health Monday. He's, I mean, you know, I just meet somewhere like their energy is just great. Then come to find out he got a restaurant. What? Okay. Um, so my Sunday dinner is courtesy of Mr. Lampkin. And I'm so grateful because let me tell you, he's tired of cooking. Isn't he the gospel choir director? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. like, is it the same Jeffrey It's Lampkin the same person. Yeah. So I'm, and I got sweet potato Small pie. world. So I'm so excited. Wow. Yes. I'm so excited about this dinner. As soon as we hit in, about to go in. <laughs> yes. Go in. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so I am going to send my love um out to uh two two groups. I wanna first send my love out to all of the essential workers, whether that's healthcare, food service, you know, grocery, convenience, whatever it is, um, these individuals are really putting themselves in the forefront of all of this. Um, and it is it is it is known, it is seen, you are seen. Um, and I just want to send you my love. Pray that you all um, have the support, protection that you need. Um, advocate for yourself because no one else will. Um, and protect yourself, at, you know. And so I just want to send my love to all of, to you all, to us all <laughs> um, who are out here um, risking it. And then I also want to send my love out to all of the parents um, y'all are not okay. Um, <laughs> I, I love how you just say y'all are okay. You're okay. You're like, no, you, y'all are not. <laughs> I know y'all aren't okay because I have friends who have children and many of you probably will need to see me, um, mm-hmm. for some substance use issues, um, when all of this is said and done. So sending my love out to you all hang in there. Please don't hurt the children. Don't hurt the children. I would like to point out all of my friends who had kids who were like, oh, my gosh, Shari, you will never know love like this. Girl. A lot of that has changed in the last couple of weeks. Right. Okay. So I'm going to bring this up next time y'all start pressuring my uterus. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, Some of y'all want to get these kids away. And y'all know (laughs) it. Stop with all that. Stop. 
Um, I want to send my love out to three uh, three very special people in my life. So I want to send it out to Minkara Tizet, Nia Ford, and Nala Ford. They have breakfast every Sunday together. It's a father and his two daughters. Um, and they have breakfast every Sunday. They let me sit in on their Sunday breakfast Aww. today Aww. via video. Um, they are my loves in Minnesota. And so I was really happy to be able to connect with them in that way. Um, and spend time and just see everybody. So I want to send my love to them for being an awesome, awesome example of um, a parent and family relationship. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. That's sweet. It was. It was nice. It was really nice. Do you have your battle? Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were going to bring know, it up, like, April. Oh, my Jesus. She brought it up. I knew April was going to bring it up. Cause she know she don't never let me like, <laughs> but I, so you guys, so I get really, um, I notice oftentimes when we talk about like battles or music or like old school, whatever, a lot of males come into the mix. Well, we did have a lot of boy bands and male singers and, but I would like to have a battle between Brandy and Monica. I was thinking about that was going to be my number two. I want to bring my females in the mix. You know, that would be good. That would be good to have that battle. Like, yeah, yeah. that would be good. That'd be a good battle. That would be good. That'd be a good one. Awesome. Well, y'all, please be contacting your favorite artists and ask them to get these battles together um, because we love them. This is entertainment for us. Um, And on that note, we are going to sign off. We ask that you continue to listen. Um, If you are listening and you have not yet commented or left a review on whatever platform you listen to us, please go on and do that. Um, If you want to reach out to us, we can be found on social media on Facebook and Instagram at three Sykes and a mic. That is the number three Sykes and a mic. If you want to send direct messages, direct questions to us, you can um, contact us at our email, which is the number three Sykes and a mic at gmail.com. And we just want to tell everyone to please be vigilant. Please stay safe. Please be cautious and just love one another. Be positive. You know, this is the time to remind each other that life is precious. So we want to send you off with that. And on that note, we will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.